0: This afternoon we take our topic for the sermon from Lord's Day 36 of the Heidelberg Catechism. But before we get to that one, which is about the third commandment, remember the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I'm going to read uh, Revelation 3, let's read that together, Revelation 3 and verse 7 to 13. Here is one of the... Letters to the seven churches. Remember the seven letters to the seven churches? Remember the seven angels who are on the seven lampstands in the book of Revelation? And uh, angel is a fancy word for messenger. So it could very well be a pastor or the minister. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write. Um, hear the word of God. Revelation 3 verse 7. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia, Philadelphia write, these things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now let's just go over Lord's Day 36, our confessional readings from page 553 in the songbook, page 553 in the book of praise. Lord's Day 36 says, what is required in the third commandment? We are not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing perjury or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence so that we may rightly confess Him call upon Him and praise Him in all our words and works. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? Certainly, for no sin is greater, nor provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of His name. That's why He commanded it to be punished with death. So after the sermon, we'll take this uh, provisional song hymn book, and uh, we're going to turn to Page 85 in there after the sermon. Take my life and let it be is the hymn we're going to sing. Brothers and sisters, beloved of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know for what commandment Jesus Christ was crucified and put to death? Do you know which commandment he was accused for breaking? Now, if you're one of the really keen, alert ones, you'd be like, oh, aren't we on Lord's Day 36, which is about the third commandment? Maybe it's that one. And you'd be right. The third commandment. Jesus Christ was put to death for blaspheming the name of God. He's called himself the Son of God. It was very clear in his teaching and his preaching. And no one in the leadership of that day, in the religious leaders, or the Roman leaders, believed that he would be the Son of God. And so they crucified him. They crucified the one who never blasphemed the name of God, who never made light of it, And if you ever wanted to know the name of God, you would come to Jesus Christ. Because He is the exact image of God Himself. He is the name of God. He always used God's name with fear and reverence. And the message He brings to His people in the third commandment is, Use my name with fear and reverence. Use it properly. I'm going to go through three points here this afternoon. First of all, the significance of his name. Secondly, the abuse of his name. And thirdly, the proper use of his name. The first point is, how important is the name of God? What makes it important? Why is it special? He's revealed himself to us. Revealed means not everyone knows who he is. And what little people do know, they've managed to distort, confuse, and throw out the window. He's revealed his name, and he's said, this is who I am. What's so special about God's name is he's revealed it, and you remember how often he did that in the scriptures. You remember the time... He meets Moses. Moses has to go tell the Israelites, let's leave Egypt. And Moses asked God, who shall I say sent me? What is your name? And God said, this is my name. I am who I am. And he used a particular Hebrew word, Yahweh. That is my name. Abraham, in the time of Abraham, you have God revealing himself. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And this is a place to start. When you hear the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. You you might want to start somewhere and you think about the names given for God, El Shaddai. Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh. Those are great Hebrew words. How about Greek? Kurios, Lord. Theos, God. In English, God, Lord. And this brings up the point, but do you really know what the name of God is? Because that's like a first name. But is that what the commandment's about? And you know it's not, right? A name is your reputation. It's short for who you are. And this is the significance of God's name. Our first point here. God did not reveal himself who he truly was to just anyone. But he revealed himself to Israel so that they would know something about God's name. You could be from any place on the planet and know something about God. Something about his name, and, and it would be about his power and his divine nature. Romans 1 refers to a general knowledge of God. But to know how God sets, him apart, sets apart himself from all other gods. Only Israel really knew. Unbelievers can shout crazy things about God. Maybe you, you know this happens. You're at a playground this summer, and you hear little kids go down the slide in excitement. They say, oh my God! And they have all of this hair-raising, skin-crawling expressions. But do they really mean it? Is that the name we're referring to when you hear the third commandment? Isn't this something in the last hundred years or so that's developed, that we think it might refer only to the first names, What do unbelievers know about the name of God? Is it blasphemy? If a Muslim goes down the slide at the playground and said, Oh my Allah, I don't think that would bother you. Because it has no meaning. You know who this commandment is really meant for? Who's it most important to? To you. You're God's people. You know the name like no one else. You know who God is. You know something of His love. You know something of His justice. You know something of His holiness. And the third commandment is not so much about a word. It's about a teaching. This commandment came first to God's people on Mount Sinai. And you know when Mount Sinai happened, right? After Israel was saved from Egypt. After being in bondage and slavery to the Egyptians, God rescued them and he brings them to the mountain. And there he gives his law. And you think, of all the nations in the world, these people should know the name of God. They know what it's like to be redeemed, to be saved, to be freed, to live for the first time. So yeah, you might want to think about all the OMGs when you hear about the third commandment. And you might think about how you use entertainment and it's just littered with words that are offending God because they're using His name like it makes no difference. And there is a conspiracy. Satan has so chosen that all the demons are glad to make, oh my God, the blasphemy that's popular today instead of, oh my Allah, because there is no, oh my Allah. There's no, oh my Baal or, oh my Ashtoreth because, you know, this is touching the very name of God. You know something of His name. And it's precious to you, isn't it? This is difficult to preach the third commandment because you will meet people who use God's name flippantly. OMG, left, right, and center. And you know that that name is precious. And you know evangelism could be turned off because as soon as you meet somebody, you're like, I'm out of here. That's too offensive. I don't have to keep a conversation going at the playground. Congregation, I urge you to think of the name of God as something given to you You know His name unlike anyone else in this world. Do not be shy when you meet somebody who's misusing that name, who doesn't have a clue who that name is, who is the God that they're speaking of. I urge you to be brave and courageous and bring the name of God into their lives because that is what the third commandment is about. This name is so precious to God's people. It's the name of Jesus Christ. And it's the only salvation there is in the world in His name. This is the point we're starting with. The third commandment this afternoon is for everyone here. You know the name. Use it with fear and reverence. Not everyone else will, but you better. The Ten Commandments start with the name of God. I am the one who has done this for you. Use my name carefully, don't get my name wrong. It's what we'll get to in our second point in a bit. But if you think that I rescued you to make you die in the wilderness, that is not my name. And that was happening. People were rescued by God coming out of Egypt. They were in the wilderness and they were like, I think you rescued us just to have us die in the wilderness, die of hunger and thirst, to be destroyed by your enemies. And God says, that's not my name. And so you have here the doctrine of God that's at stake. The teaching of who God is. Do not take God's name in vain by misunderstanding or twisting or distorting who your God is. The third commandment is about the doctrine of God. And if you backed up in time to when this commandment was first written... It in the time where the Roman Catholic Church was huge. And a Roman Catholic teacher, you think about being a silent bystander when your Roman Catholic teacher might have said, let's just pray to one of the saints or to Mary. Isn't that easier than to pray to God himself? What if someone was bringing you a teaching that you can get out of purgatory, spend less time in hell by paying money? about those indulgences that were being sold there so this is blasphemy is to get God's name wrong and it's a doctrinal point you can't just ignore false teachings of who God is is God gracious or do you get saved by trying your best Is God only going to save people who choose for him first? You think of Arminianism. Or does God actually take an active role in converting you before you like it? If I ask you to describe God, if we sit down and say, write up a description of God, this is going to be your confession. You're going to write his name, aren't you? This is what he's known for. And the third commandment is, do not get me wrong. I am your Savior. If you love me in any way, you're going to dig into this and find out who I am. Remember how we started? Jesus Christ was accused for blaspheming God's name. It's a doctrinal point, but it's just not, not only merely doctrine. Doctrine. Either you believe Jesus is the Son of God, or He wasn't. Either or. And it's worth dying for, that truth. Let's go to our second point here. The abuse of His name. And this is where we get specifically into getting His name wrong. The Catechism says, What's required in the third commandment? We're not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing, Perjury or unnecessary oaths nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders and it's for this the second point that I've chosen to read Revelation 3 Revelation 3 to the church in Philadelphia Behold I have set before you an open door Which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power or little strength. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This is Jesus speaking. And it's about the name. And let's just back up for a moment to the first point. Do we know the name of Jesus Christ? Because you could just say Jesus or Christ But he's filling in the church of Philadelphia with a whole description of who I am. He says, He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. He's the doorkeeper. He is the king who opens and shuts. And he knows you. I know your works. And I know that you have but little power Do you hear the doctrinal teachings that's going on? I am strong. I am your king. I am Christ, your Lord. And you are weak. No offense, but you're weak. And then Jesus Christ says, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. What an amazing thing. You can tell that they're up into some trouble there. You can tell there's all kinds of Jewish pressure. You remember Jesus mentions the synagogue of Satan there. a reference to those who claim to be real Jews because they trace their lineage back to Abraham. But who actually deny Christ being the Son of God. And against all that pressure in the city of Philadelphia in Asia, there were some who did not deny Christ's name. And that means that Christians didn't give up. They didn't Say, okay, Jesus is is not quite the Son of God. Maybe it sounded like I was saying that, but really, that's not what I was saying. Realistically, the Christians did not give up by giving in to these Old Testament laws like circumcision and Old Testament ceremonies. They did not deny Christ's name as weak as they were. When you hear that expression, deny Christ's name, then you get a sense of what it means to abuse God's name. That's our second point. Denying his name means you don't actually use God's name with fear and reverence, you, you fear the pressure of others. Think of how practical this was for the Christians in Philadelphia. Denying Christ means blending in. Big deal. We just follow a few Old Testament laws here and there. We get these Jews off our back. Same today, right? There's ways that you can blend in with the world. You don't have to confess Christ's name. You just let it go quiet. You blend in with unbelievers. I thought you were a Christian. You ever have somebody say that to you? And they see how you're behaving. I thought you were a Christian. That is abusing God's name. You're blending in, living like a hypocrite. So denying the name of Christ is really saying, He is not my Savior. He has not bought me body and so I don't owe my life to Him. He, can't, he doesn't have any right to tell me what to do. I can live as I please. That is denying the name of Jesus Christ. Let's say blending in the world with the world is not your problem. What about abusing the name of the Lord by talking up other names? Let's say the name of Satan and the conspiracies of the evil one. Because this happens in the church all the time. Bringing up the name of Satan exalting the name of Satan how powerful he is. I'm not saying he's not powerful, but you speak about him a little more often than you speak of Jesus Christ. You don't deny Christ. You just, you just inflate the power of the devil, the world, and your own flesh. Is that possibly a weakness that we have? That the reputation of the devil, his experience for thousands of years of, of leading people astray into deception, maybe that's, that's first and, and mostly what you talk about. Because this happens among God's people. i just give you the example. In the Old Testament, you had the uh, spies. You remember the 12 spies to check out the land? The land of Canaan. And 10 of these spies, they came back. And they were all about how big the enemies were. How fortified their cities are. How impossible it is to defeat them. You know what they're doing? Aren't they abusing the name of the Lord? They're exalting other names out there. All that God has done. The ten plagues. Whatever happened to the ten plagues and how God destroyed Egypt. Pharaoh and all his hosts. What about that red sea crossing? You got water from the rock. How about manna? Bread from heaven? Aren't you denying the name of your Savior when you're not remembering His awesome power? So there are ways, it comes quite easy to us, to deny the name of Christ. I find myself doing this a lot, speaking about how bad this world is, how we're going to hell in a handbasket and everything politically looks like it's going in that direction and where's our freedom in this country. It doesn't take long and you'll hear me mope about the future. Have I forgotten the name of God? Have you forgotten the name of God? Can we do some more of Psalm 127 like this morning? Unless the Lord is building the house. Unless He's watching over the city. So congregation, please, don't abuse that name. I urge you, exalt the name of Christ. He's at God's right hand. Remind yourself of His name. So let's go to our third point. The proper use of his name. Rather, Catechism says here, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence so that we may rightly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in all our words and works. Confess, call upon, and praise. Three aspects to using God's holy name rightly. We've touched on that one about doctrine, right? Confessing his name rightly. How do you summarize his name accurately? Do you have a healthy, living confession? We have three confessions in the back of the songbook. Ways of describing God accurately. Not perfectly, not comprehensively, but accurately. About who God is. And on paper it's one thing. And maybe you remember years back, or just recently, you, you've made public profession of your faith, and you've dabbled in the Belgian confession, Heburg canons of Dort. But is this your confession? On paper, it's one thing to say, God is merciful and gracious and slow to anger. He doesn't save you because of your good works. You have that on paper, but in real life, are you always harping on works, measuring people by their righteousness, judging? Each one of us has a confession of some sort, just hang around one another and you'll hear that confession of what you really think, but is it in line with the truth of God's word? We must rightly confess him. Uh, the next thing, just briefly here, call upon him. Call upon. That's a fancy way, way of saying pray, pray to the Lord. Chief part of your thankfulness or the most important part of your thankfulness is to pray to the Lord. Genuine form of thankfulness is to call upon that name, that name that we're beginning to hear and know and understand and appreciate. We call upon the name, He has heard me. Last time I called, He heard me. This time I'll call out again. And this is the point. The proper use of God's name is to pray to that name again and again. Your Lord Jesus Christ listens as a Savior. That's His name. That's who He is. He's near you. His Holy Spirit intercedes for you even as you pray to God. This is His name. The one who brings your every need, every joy, every thanksgiving to God the Father. So call upon Him. If if you get something about the third commandment, don't blaspheme. What's the opposite of blaspheming? Is to worship that name. Pray. Exalt. Start your day with the name of God. And then there's one more word for a third point: is confess. It was the first. Call upon was the next, and the praise. Praise Him in words and works. You've already got words. That was confession, right? How about evangelism, outreach? God's designed you with a mouth. And with a language that's capable of praising God's name accurately, truly, even if you've only just begun to get to know the Lord, you can confess Him accurately. Listen to children. They can speak of God accurately and praise Him. And so in in your evangelism, in your outreach, even as we begin to practice this, we will stumble We will utter things that don't make clear sense. And yet we're praising this name of the Lord that we're beginning to know. Praise God with your words. Praise God with your works. Good works. That's what works is short for. And I'm going to finish with that. Put God's name into action. Show the name of the Lord to the people around you. Especially, start with your own family, your own neighbors. Show the name of the Lord. Show what love is. Show what truth is. Show what justice is. Show what compassion is. Put it into practice. The third commandment is about the name of of the Lord let people know his name and not just one word like Lord or God remember our Lord Jesus Christ was sent by God so that we would know the Father John 14 one of the disciples says how can we know the Father have we ever seen him and Jesus says you've seen me you've seen the Father Jesus Christ was put to death for blaspheming the name of God. And never once did he blaspheme God's name. If you wanted to know the name of God, you would come to Jesus Christ. He is the exact representation of the Father. He is the name of God. Amen.